G'day, my name's Martin Murray and you're listening to the In The Paddock podcast, where we talk all things farming. Welcome to today's Wednesday Tech Talk. So we're taking a break from our nutrition series, although in a way I guess we're circling back to the start and talking all about nitrogen, in a sense, because we are talking about free-fixing nitrogen fixation. So what is that? Is that a bunch of van lifers speculating on the uh, urea market? Or is it a bunch of hippies from Woodstock that are absolutely focused on the Harbour Bosch process? Well, unbelievably, it's actually neither of them. So free-fixing nitrogen fixation is a process that occurs in the soil similar to what happens with rhizobia on the roots of legumes. Basically, it's organisms in the soil, mainly bacteria, that have the ability to take nitrogen out of the atmosphere and fix them as nitrogen for plant use, although it's not a direct process. And the reason they're called free-fixing nitrogen bacteria, or free-fixing nitrogen fixation, is because that unlike rhizobia, which are bound to the roots, they're in the nodules of the root, they're attached to the plant, and they can't live out in the soil, the free-fixing organisms live freely in the soil. They're not bound to the plant, although they do tend to live very close to the roots, and there's a bit of a uh, symbiotic type relationship going on there where these organisms feed on exudes from the roots of the plants and they also you know convert the nitrogen from the atmosphere into nitrogen in the soil but they use that generally use that nitrogen themselves and then when they die and break down there's nitrogen left in the soil that the plants can then use now these critters are extremely productive in the soil they fix an unbelievable amount of nitrogen to put it in perspective it's believed that free-living nitrogen fixation organisms fix around 76 million tonnes of nitrogen a year globally. Now, to put that in perspective, lightning, which does also fix a bit of nitrogen, it only produces about 5 million tonnes a year. And the Harbour Bosch process, which is the physical creation of urea, um, you know, that you, the white pellets you use in your paddock, that one, it only fixes 120 million tonnes of nitrogen a year. So this natural process is producing more than half of the amount of nitrogen that we synthetically uh, process a year. Now, of course, that's spread out over the globe. It's not, you know, in the paddock uh, concentrated like your urea applications are. Uh, so it's not as big of a factor in the paddock. Which I guess begs the question, why aren't we using more of these bacteria in the paddock? Why aren't we applying them to our soils and why don't more people know about this? Admittedly, I knew of them. I didn't actually know the term for them until the other day. But there's a pretty good reason for that. The main reason being that there's not a lot of research actually being done into these critters. Uh, the focus doesn't seem to be on them. But I suspect that may change going forward as more focus is paid to climate change and environmental emissions. And particularly if we end up with New Zealand style regulation here in Australia, uh, where they do limit the amount of nitrogen that you can apply to a paddock or a carbon tax on nitrogen emissions, again, like they've put in place in New Zealand. 
Although at this stage, I think that mainly targets sheep and cattle, I'm not sure how it applies to fertilizer applied in the paddock. But there's definitely potential there as some of these organisms have been shown to be more vigorous end fixators than some of the rhizobia that we use in legumes. So imagine the potential there. You know, if we could grow three, four, four tonne wheat, uh, five tonne, who knows, with just these organisms that we've applied to the soil or inoculated our seed with, got down in the root zone there early in the crop. Admittedly, it does make me wonder though, how much uh, we could get from our pulses if we we're applying urea to them like we were applying to our crops, but that is probably taking the wrong message from this. And of course, if we start applying synthetic nitrogen to a paddock, uh, where that has rhizobia or any other nitrogen fixating bacteria, uh, we will actually stop that nitrogen fixation process. It's been shown time and time again that when you apply nitrogen to a paddock, your nitrogen fixes stop fixating. You become solely reliant on the nitrogen that you are applying, driving up your input costs. So what can we do to encourage more free living nitrogen fixation in our paddocks? Well, one, it would be great to get some really good research in there that identifies particular strains of organisms, and that way we can introduce them to our paddocks and increase the uh, amount of nitrogen fixes that we have there. But short of that, there's a few other things that need to be right to get the most out of your nitrogen fixes. One of them being you need to have the right nutrition. Uh, studies have shown that these nitrogen fixes require adequate amounts of a range of nutrients, mainly phosphorus, also iron, also molybdenum, and a few others, but they're sort of the three big ones, which again, in the Australian context, were generally fairly low in P and probably aren't testing for molybdenum or iron, although we, we're generally pretty right on that. The other thing these organisms love is carbon. So it helps to increase your soil carbon or have more uh, aggressively rooting plants, which is something that you know researchers are currently working on. They're trying to breed varieties of wheat and other cereals that have more aggressive roots. This is mainly for other reasons, uh, primarily increasing that early stage crop competition uh, to crowd out weeds. But I could also see it having benefits here. You've got more roots, you've got more carbon in the ground, you've got more root exudates, and therefore you've got more bacteria living around those roots and uh, including these free-fixing nitrogen ones, and that will help to increase that nitrogen fixation. And of course, the other thing that I've said here before is that for these bacteria to work effectively, you need to limit the amount of nitrogen that you're applying to the soil. So obviously our crops still need nitrogen to grow, so they've got to get it from somewhere. And if we don't quite have these free-fixing organisms up to the point where they can sustain a crop, if they can even sustain a crop to modern yields with what is just naturally in the soil, then it, we need to get our end from somewhere. Now, I'm purely just spitballing here, but it would stand to reason, to me at least, that nitrogen applied to the soil, it suppresses end fixation. So if we're applying it as a foliar in crop, that shouldn't suppress that fixation because it's not getting to the soil, it's been absorbed into the plant straight through the leaves, and that may 
help boost the uh, level of end fixation that we're getting in the soil and therefore getting a more balanced system all up, if that makes sense. But again, I'm just spitballing here. I don't have any studies, any data in front of me to confirm that. And I'd really like to see some trial work on that because as I said, I think this area has a lot of potential going forward as something that can be more thoroughly investigated to grow crops in a environment where using synthetic fertilizers and ureas will be more frowned upon going forward and will probably be taxed. It's, you know, I think it's personally just a matter of time until we have some sort of carbon tax or an emissions tax in this country. And if not that, limitations on the amount of nitrogen that we can apply to a paddock, similar to what we're seeing in New Zealand, in the UK, in the EU. So overall, I think this is a fascinating emerging area of agriculture, and I'd really like to see some more work being done on it. I do have an interview lined up with someone that's doing work in a similar space, but that's inoculating your crops to increase carbon production which I'm really keen to get her on the show and we've, we've had a few times that we've lined it up but she's um, a very busy individual. So if you're listening to this, you know who you are. Give me a call and we'll sort something out. But anyway, please remember that I'm not an expert on this topic and you should really seek your own independent advice before acting on anything you've heard here today. And I'll even link the papers that I was reading this week in the show notes to this podcast they're actually free to download and read which if you read academic papers is unbelievable normally they're behind a paywall and you've got to go to the trouble of finding the authors email the author and ask them for it because they'll normally give it to you for free but the publishers love to make a fortune also don't forget to check out our facebook page youtube channel instagram and all that other good stuff just search in the paddock podcast on whatever platform you're on and you should find us and until next time Keep at it.